we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. That's kind of where we're going to camp out tonight. Ephesians chapter 2. When I first got here, pastor used to say some nice things about me before I got up to preach. And then he spent time with me, and now he doesn't say nice things about me anymore. Um, I guess because there's nothing nice to say after he's spent so much time with me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, But we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, I'm not like most guys that I've talked to because it seems like a lot of times when I talk to men, uh, they look at shopping with their wife, going to the mall, things like that as almost a burden. Uh, for me, I'm not really like that. I, I enjoy going to the mall. I enjoy shopping. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Gabby and I got to go to the outlets in Minneapolis. We got to go to the Mall of America. And, and I enjoy doing things like that. I, I like going shopping. Uh, But the last time we went while we were there, we're walking through the Mall of America and Gabby started walking toward a a store that I had never heard of before. I can't remember the name of it, but we start walking toward this store. And if you're a guy here, you know what I'm talking about. As we're walking toward the store, you know, you're not going to fit in when you walk in this store. Like everything, everything is made for girls. Everything's pink. Everything's pretty. We walk inside. The floors are like wood. Everything's white and wood and pink. There's not one piece of men's clothing in this entire store. And so if you're a guy, you walk in those stores with your wife and you really only have one of two options and neither, neither one of them are good. And so you walk in, you can either, you can do one of two things. You can either pretend that you're shopping, which that's awkward for everyone. Like, like, what are you supposed to do? Like you walk over to the rack and you're looking at this, your wife comes over. Hey, what are you looking at? I have no idea. <laughs> like, I Honestly, it's pink. And I, I, I was looking at it or you can just stay really, really close to your wife and make sure that everyone knows that your wife is the reason that you're there. Like you're flashing your wedding ring when the person comes up and says, can they help you? You're, you're like, no, I'm just here with her. I promise. I'm not a creep. I'm just here with her. I, I promise. Like we all, all the guys that are in here, you've been there before. And needless to say, when I was in that store, I didn't feel at home. I felt like I didn't belong there. Mainly, mainly because I didn't belong there. But I felt it. I, I felt like I wasn't at home. You know, in 2023, one of the biggest needs of this generation is to feel like they belong, to to feel at home. That's their desire. That's what they want. And really, all of us have a desire to feel like we're at home, to, to feel like we belong. And really, the church should be a place where that's possible. The church should be a place that when you come in here, uh, you, you, you see your family. You don't just see a group of people that you have to hang out with once a week on Sunday morning or three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and you walk in. No, it's not, it's not a country club. Like, like we're a family. We belong. We're, we're, we're at home when we're with each other. That's how the church should be, but oftentimes it's not. A lot of times we walk into church and we talk to like one or two people that we're kind of friends with and we sort of know. And then if there's somebody new that we've never seen before, we like might give them a dirty look at best. And then we'll, we'll walk down, we'll sit in our seats and then we'll walk out. And there's really no unity. I've seen churches before that when new people begin to come and the church begins to grow, a lot of the people become angry that the church is growing. Because there's more people. There's not enough places for them to sit. Their, 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 their seat was taken in Sunday morning. So the church should be a place where people feel at home, but oftentimes it's a place of conflict. So tonight in Ephesians chapter 2, 
what we're going to learn is how do we have unity with people who are so much different than us? How do we, because there's a lot of different people in here. There's a lot of different backgrounds in here. So how do we have unity with people who are so radically different than we are? And like I said, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter two. Uh, Ephesus was a city that was really the epicenter of all of the Roman and the Greek worship. So Jewish people, they had Jerusalem, they would go to Jerusalem and they had their temple there. That's where they would go to worship. Uh, the Jew or the, the Greek and the Romans had Ephesus. Ephesus was kind of their Jerusalem. And so many of them would go there. They would worship. Uh, they would worship their Greek gods. They would worship the Roman gods. Uh, they had all their different gods that they would worship. And, and so there's a lot of Gentiles in Ephesus, non-Jewish people in Ephesus. And Paul goes there in the book of Acts and he starts the church of Ephesus and is very successful. The church begins to grow. And then later on, when Paul is in prison in Rome, he writes this letter, uh, the, the book of Ephesians, to the Ephesian church to do two things. This book really has two ideas. The first is to remind them of who they are in Christ. Paul wanted to remind them that, hey, you, you are no longer a, God does not no longer look at you as a sinner. He looks at you as a child of his. All of your sin has been covered by the grace of God. Really, the first portion of the book, that's what Paul's talking about. And then the second portion of the book, Paul talks about what all of that does for our everyday living. So, so the book of Ephesians is very, very practical. When we get to Ephesians chapter 2, Paul's explaining who they are in Christ still. And he explains to them that before they were saved, before they knew Jesus, they were dead in their sins. So they were alive physically, but they were dead spiritually. They, they had no living nature in their spiritual being. They, they, were, they were dead spiritually. They were doomed to spend forever separated from God in hell, but God had mercy on them. He sends Jesus, and now we're able to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ because Jesus paid for our sins. And so now, just like Jesus rose again from the dead, he now raises us up together to sit in heavenly places. That's, that's what the wording in Ephesians chapter two. So we're risen together with Christ. So Paul's reminding them about who they are. But then he goes on and he says that this new life, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, he says that these, this new life that they have was not earned by their own doing. Like we didn't, we didn't earn a place in heaven by the things that we did. And that's what Paul is trying to communicate to them. He says that it's by grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way that we experience this new life that we have in Jesus. That we're not saved by our good works, but we're saved to our good works. And that's where we're going to pick up in verse number 11. Paul says, Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Jesus, or by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made us, or who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition 
between us, having, a, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make himself of twain one new man, so making peace. These two people, these two groups of people, the Jews and the Gentiles, are radically different people. That's what we see in the first two verses, in verses 11 and 12. We can see that these two people, the two groups of people, the Jews and the Gentiles, are extremely different people. So Paul starts off this section and he says, wherefore? So, so in light of everything I've told you so far, in light of who you are in Christ, in light of everything I've said about how you're saved to your good works, not for your good works. And now he says, I want you to remember where you came from. I want you to remember who you were before you met Jesus. And I think that's really important for every single one of us to do. I think it's important to remember how we felt before we were Christians, before we had put our faith in Christ, before we, before we knew the Christian lingo, before we knew Christianese and we were able to say all the words that, 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 that sound spiritual. It's important to remember how we felt because when we do that and then new people come in the back doors, we're able to relate to them. And so Paul says, hey, I want you to remember where you came from. And if you read through the book of Acts, you can see really clearly there's a lot of conflict between the Jews and the Gentiles, like a lot in the first century church. It's like every other page of Acts is, is them fighting over something. And the Jews looked at the Gentiles as heathens. They, they looked at them as false God worshipers. They looked at them as dirty. And then the Gentiles looked at the Jews as high-minded religious hypocrites. And so there's this conflict constantly in the first century church. Um, and the thing was, is they had completely different upbringings. Look, look at what Paul says in verse number 11. He says, wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision. Now that word really was a derogatory word that the Jews would use to describe Gentile people. If they were, if they were trying to, to make fun of them, that's what that word they would call, they would call them the uncircumcised. That, that they, they would use that almost as a derogatory term because they had completely different upbringings. The, the Gentile people grew up and many of them grew up worshiping false gods. They were, they grew up going to the Pantheon. They grew up worshiping these gods and, and, and trying to get as much pleasure out of life as possible. Some of their parents may have even been priests in the, in the temples of the false gods. I mean, they had completely different upbringings. And then the Jews, they grew up memorizing the Torah. They grew up memorizing the law of Moses. They grew up in very, very religious homes. They grew up worshiping the one true God. And so they're, they're very, very different people. And then in verse 12, Paul explains their spiritual position before they came to know Christ. So look at verse 12. That, in time, that at that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So, so he describes them as without Christ. Hey guys, without Christ, we have no hope. Without Jesus, we have no hope of eternal life. We have no hope of having a relationship with God. We have no hope of our life changing. And that's what Paul describes them as. He describes them as having or without Christ. And then he says that they were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. In other words, they were excluded from being a member of God's people without Christ. 
They were excluded from being a member of God's people. Some Gentiles were adopted into Israel, into Israel's family because they were Jewish proselytes. Okay, so they would they would convert to Judaism, but even when they converted, they still weren't a full Jew, and so they're excluded. They're aliens from the Commonwealth of Israel. And then he says that they're strangers from the covenants of promise. So, so they were not heirs to the promises of God and Israel's future glory. They, they were excluded from that as well. Then it says that they were without hope. They had no hope of a future Messiah, no hope of come, someone coming to rescue them from their sinful state, no hope of anything like that. All they did was worship gods who brought them as much pleasure in their life as they possibly could. Completely without hope. And then it says they were without God in the world. This life was the only one that they had to live for. And so because of that, they lived like people who didn't know God. I think it's funny that we get so surprised when people who don't know Jesus act like people who don't know Jesus. But that's how these people were. These Gentiles, they didn't know God. They were without God, so they acted like they were without God. They were without God in the world. So not only do we see like they're called the uncircumcision, so they had completely different upbringings. They had a completely different way of relating with God. They, they, were, they were far from God. They didn't actually, they didn't relate to God in any way. They were completely and totally different from the Jewish people. They, they were total outsiders in every sense of the word. Which can I remind us, that was us complete and total outsiders in every sense of the world. That is exactly who you and I are without Jesus. We have no right to God without Jesus. We have no right to pray without Jesus. We, we have nothing without Jesus. Jesus is our hope. He's our glory. He's our righteousness. He's everything to us. This describes us without Jesus. And a lot of times it's easy for us to get in the, in, in this Christian bubble and we have this high-minded view and we, we act like the righteousness that we have is something that we work for, not something that Jesus gave us. And we can look at people when they come in the back doors of the church and we can look down on them because they look different than us. And I think this is what Paul is trying to explain to the few Jewish people who are at Ephesus and to these Gentiles that are at Ephesus that maybe have forgotten where they came from. They were completely different. Jews and Gentiles were radically different people. They were different in their political beliefs. They were different in their beliefs about God. They were different about their standards of living. Everything about these two groups of people were completely different. And you know, today, today's not much different. In America today, this country is marked by division. We have... Republicans and Democrats. There's a lot of division between that and between those two words. We have people who think it's a moral issue to, to eat meat. And we have people who love meat sometimes probably a little too much. We have people who love watching Christmas Hallmark movies and smart people. Like I, I, I know I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm kidding. There's a lot of division in this country. Even in this room tonight, we have radically different people in this room. In this room tonight, we have some people who you grew up in a, in a very Christian home and background. And for that, we should be thankful for. 
you grew up with godly parents who went to church on Sunday. And then we have some people in here who you grew up in a pagan home. You didn't know God until later on in your life. And sometimes it can be easy for, for those of us that grew up in a Christian home to look down on those who, who found God in the later life. And then some of us who, who found God later in our life, who grew up in pagan homes, we can almost look at people who grew up in Christian homes as spiritually privileged and look down on them. And if we're not careful, those differences can cause conflict. You know, some of us, we grew up learning men's traditions. We grew up learning about traditions that were created by man, and, and, and then it's really easy for us to look at those who don't practice those traditions and, and act like we're more spiritual or that we love Jesus more because we follow traditions. And then there's some of us that, that walk in, and we didn't grow up learning any of those traditions, and it's really easy for those, th- those people to look down on those who follow traditions and think that they're dumb and, and, and that they're ridiculous. It's really easy where there are differences for there to be conflict. Some of us have different preferences. Some of us have different preferences when it comes to music or dress or entertainment or, or, or anything. And those preferences, if we're not careful, can cause conflict. Someone once said to me, actually I think it was Pastor, said that the majority of church splits happen not because of doctrinal differences, but because of personalities. It's really, really easy to allow our differences to breed conflict, just like it was in the first century church. So we can see in these first two verses, these people were, these two groups of people were radically, radically different. But then Paul kinds of shows us a problem in verse number 13. Look what it says. It says, but now in Christ Jesus... Ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. So they were different, but they were together. They were different, but they were together. And we read that verse and we're like, man, that's awesome. Like when we read that verse, when we read the fact uh, that, that in Christ Jesus, us who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Jesus. We look at that verse and we're like, man, that is awesome. That's incredible because that's who we are. We're Gentiles. Without Jesus, we wouldn't have been able to, to, to have a relationship with God. And we look at that verse and, and, and the Gentiles at the church of Ephesus, they would have looked at that verse and be like, man, that is incredible. That's awesome. We're able to have a relationship with God through Jesus. But the Jewish people probably didn't like that verse very much. That, that verse was not good news for the Jewish people. Because now they, they don't feel as special as they did before. And now things are starting to, to change. See, when Christianity at the beginning of Acts was just for the Jewish people, And when it was only Jewish people who followed Jewish traditions following Jesus, they were cool. They they were fine. You read Acts 1, and and there's unity. It's awesome. And then Gentiles started getting saved. People who didn't follow the Jewish traditions started getting saved. People who didn't follow the, 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 the Jewish law started coming to faith in Christ. And so now we have these Gentiles coming in, and they don't, they don't worship the same way that we do. They, they're doing things different than we do. They, they, they have all of these differences, and those differences are beginning to bring conflict. You know, when Gabby and I first started dating, I remember the first time that I went down to North Carolina to visit her family, and, and I had never met her parents before. And so I drove, I drove down there from Maryland to North Carolina. It was about 
Um, it was about four hour drive. And so I got down there never met her parents before. And so there's always that awkward first meeting of her parents. And so we, we come in and I just happened to be there during the week where they were going to take family pictures. And so I'm thinking like, I'm going to be the photographer guy. Like I, I'm going to go there and I'm going to, I'm going to sit there and I'm not very good at photography, but the least I can, I can like press the button. I, I'm, I'm not that useless. So I can press the button. And, and so I get there and her parents are like, they, they, they were, they were going to all match clothes. They were going to wear like flannels and jeans, I think. And so they, they looked at me, they were like, Hey, well, we want you to, to match us. We want you to be in some of the family pictures. And keep in mind, I had just met them. So I'm like, are you, me? Like you're talking to me? They're like, yeah, we want you to be in some of the pictures. And so I was like, cool. I get there. I had never met Gabby's sister and I had just met her brother. And so I can imagine their feeling when this guy who they've never met before, who just met their sister, who started dating their sister after her being at college for like two days. And now he's going to be in family pictures. They're like, who is this guy? Like, we haven't even met him yet. What is he doing in our family pictures? Yeah, that's kind of how the Jewish people would have felt. Like, we're God's people. We're, we're God's chosen people. Who are these people? Who are, who are these guys? Why are we opening this up to them? They would have not felt very good about this. So we have these two radically different groups of people all in one body, worshiping one God, Jews and Gentiles. And there's conflict. Why? Because it's hard to do life alongside of someone who you're different from. Those of you that are married know this is true. Because when you, especially guys, if you're a guy in here and, and, and you're married, you know that for a little while you did life by yourself, you were living on your own, and you didn't have standards for yourself. Like you, you, you walked inside and, and you, like you didn't need a dirty clothes hamper because you just threw your clothes in the closet. But don't act like I'm the only one. I, I know I'm not. You threw your clothes in the closet. You didn't have to put the toilet seat down because there's only guys living with you. So you didn't have to do any of that. You have these, these things that, that you're doing and, and you, you get in these habits. Like you, you didn't get a cup to drink out of the milk carton. It's your milk. Why would you do that? And then you get married. And those things need to stop very, very quickly. Because if they don't, you'll get beat. But it's hard to do life along someone who's different than you. Because often, conflict is born in differences. Let me say that again. Conflict is often born in differences. And as a church, we're called to do life alongside of each other. This isn't just like a country club that we come to three times a week. Like I said before, we're doing life together. We're supposed to support each other, to be, for, to be there for each other, to, to be a church. A group of believers who worship Jesus together, that do life alongside of each other. And when different people do life alongside of each other, it causes conflict. No matter how long you've been saved, no matter how, how, how long you've been saved or how little long you've been saved, you have differences with people. And those differences can cause conflict. But even though conflict is bred in differences, some of the best relationships can also come from differences. And we have the choice of what's going to happen. You can either allow your differences to cause conflict or you can allow differences to breed relationships. 
And so Paul tells us in these next couple verses how we're supposed to have peace with each other, who the giver of peace is. Look at verse number 14. It says, for he is our peace. Doesn't say that our similar traditions are our peace. It doesn't say that our similar backgrounds are our peace. It doesn't say that our our skin color is our peace. It doesn't say that our hatred for Hallmark movie Hallmark movies is our peace. Doesn't say that. It says for he, Jesus, is our peace. Because we might find common ground where there's similarities, but we will never find peace unless we have Jesus in common with someone. That's why the Bible says not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. We shouldn't, we shouldn't marry someone who's not a believer because we might have things in common with them, but we will never have peace unless we have Jesus in common with them. And so all, all of our similarities that we might have with people, those are not the things that breed peace in the church. Jesus is what breeds peace amongst ourselves. That's why we just finished Christmas, and there's a verse that we quote all the time at Christmas, Isaiah 9, 6. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. What's the last one? The Prince of Peace. All the way back in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied that one day there would be a king who would breed peace between Jews and Gentiles. But between people that have differences, one day there would be a king who would, be, who would bring peace to all of the differences that we have with each other. And that king was Jesus. What did the angels say to the shepherds in Luke 2? Jesus shows up and they say, glory to God on the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. In Jesus, finally, radically different people can now have unity and peace with each other. And it's not because of their similarities. It's because of Jesus. That's why we can have peace together. That, that's why we can have peace. It's because of Jesus. Jesus came not only to bring peace between God and man, but he came to bring peace between man and man. We have peace with each other in Jesus. And then he goes on in verse 14. He says, for he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. What that means is he has literally destroyed any reason for not getting along with each other. I love the word picture that Paul uses in this verse because he says that he's broken down the middle wall of partition. And like I said before, Gentiles in the first century, they were able to become Jewish proselytes. So, so they were able to convert to Judaism. But like I said before, they were not considered real Jews. So they were able to go to the temple. They were able to worship, but they had to be separated from the Jewish people. So the temple had a bunch of different courts, courtyards, and the Gentile people who had converted to Judaism were only allowed in the outwardmost courtyard. That's the only place they were allowed to go. They couldn't go into the inner part of the temple because that's where Jewish people would worship. They had to stay in the outward part. And you know what separated them? A wall. That's why Paul says in this verse that he's broken down the middle wall of partition between us. 
So now no matter our differences that we have, if we have Jesus in common, we're able to worship together, to have unity with each other, to get along with each other. Because he's broken down that middle wall of partition. He's broken it down. Meaning that no matter your excuse, we have no reason for not getting along with each other. Because Jesus has broken down that middle wall of partition. No matter the differences that you have with someone, no matter the difference of opinion that you have someone, no matter your different beliefs that you might have from someone, if you have Jesus in common with someone, you are able to have unity with them. Because he's broken down the wall of partition. Then Paul goes on in verse number 15. Look what he says. He says, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in, the or- in ordinances. The biggest obstacle that the Jewish people had to overcome was the Old Testament ceremonial law. That was the biggest obstacle. You, you read through the book of Acts. Every time there's, there's conflict between Jews and Gentiles, it's usually because of the Old Testament ceremonial law. The, the, the big deals for them it was were circumcision, eating a kosher diet, not eating uh, food that was offered to idols. They, they took these things very, very seriously. And almost every conflict in the book of Acts are because of these things. It was the biggest object of division in the first century. And then Paul tells them here that Jesus, in dying for us, fulfilled the law so that we no longer have to divide because of the law. Man, that would have been so hard for the Jewish people to get. Very, very difficult for them to understand. Because Paul is essentially telling them, look, you don't need to divide because of your traditions anymore. You don't need to divide because of your differences anymore. Now Jews and Gentiles, they're able to worship together to have unity because of Jesus. Friends, here's my question. If the Jewish ceremonial law was not enough to cause disunity in the church, what is? What is it for you? Some of you, you came in tonight and there's conflict between you and another believer and, and you feel justified in your conflict. They wronged me in this way. They made fun of me in this way. They've, 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 uh, the, I don't like the way that they do this. I don't like the way that they do that. And we're dividing from each other. But Paul says in this verse, not even the Jewish ceremonial law was enough to cause division. And if that's not enough, honestly, I don't know what is. Because that was really important for the Jewish people. What these verses are telling us is that if we have Jesus in common with someone, we can get along with them. Yeah, but I don't like the way that she leads her ministry in the church. Does she have Jesus? Do you have Jesus? Then get along. Uh, I, don't, I don't like the way that she looked at me when I came into church today. Like she gave me like the stank eye and I didn't appreciate it. Does she have Jesus? Do you have Jesus? Then you can get along. Yeah, but I, I, don't, I don't really like, like the way that he dresses when it comes to the church. That's kind of like, like it makes me uncomfortable. Does he have Jesus? Do you have Jesus? Then get along with each other. 
<laughs> Jesus takes away every single excuse that we have for not getting along with each other. Every single one. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be best friends with every person in this room. That would be very difficult. But there should be a sense of unity in every person that you talk to in this room. Because Jesus is our peace. And so if you don't have peace with someone in this room, then we need to figure out why. We need to figure out why, because Jesus is our peace. And so if you don't have peace, that's concerning. We, we, have, to, we have to figure that out. And every one of us has been there, by the way. I've been there before. But if we don't have peace with someone, we need to deal with it. And, and maybe it comes from a place of insecurity. Maybe it comes from a, just a personal difference or a personality difference. Maybe, it, maybe it's a person that hurt you and you're bitter because of it. But, but whatever it is, you have to ask yourself why. B because if that thing is causing conflict between you and another believer and you're not willing to deal with it, you're placing whatever that thing is above Jesus because Jesus is our peace. We should be able to have unity with anyone else that has Jesus. And if we're not willing to, it's because something more important than Jesus. Something is more important than Jesus. In other words, if you show me the reason for your conflict that you're not willing to deal with, you've shown me your God. Because if it's not more important than Jesus, you're willing to, to deal with it. If it's not more important than Jesus, then you're willing to follow through what Jesus says in the book of Matthew. You're willing to go with them, and if they don't hear you, then you're willing to go back and get someone else and go to them again. And you're willing to take it as far as you go for the sake of unity in the church. And I don't know what that is for you. Maybe it's your pride. Anytime someone says something about you and, or, or your work ethic or business or whatever, you get offended, and you're like, man, I'm never talking to them again. Because your pride is more important to you than Jesus. And look, I'm not talking to just you. I'm talking to me. Because I've been there too. I, there, there have been several times where I've had conflict with people, and I'm not willing to deal with it. Why? Because that thing was more important to me than Jesus was. Maybe it's a desire for status. You know, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have we're going to vote on on several positions in the church that people are going to to hold for the next year. And I know that when we vote for those positions, some people, they might get offended when they're not chosen for them. And they're going to hate the person who was voted into that position. Because that position meant more to them than Jesus. Because Jesus is our peace and anything that causes conflict, we're placing above Jesus. I don't know what it is for you, but whatever it is, we need to confess it. Take it to him. Because like I said, we've all been there before. We've all placed things above Jesus in our life, and you're not too far for, for, for forgiveness. And so you go to him, you confess it, and then you go to that person, and you resolve that conflict. It's simple, but it, but it can be difficult to do. So these two groups of people, Jews and Gentiles were radically different people. But they were together because of Jesus. And that caused conflict. And the same Jesus that brought them together was the Jesus that provided peace and unity. And he can do the same thing in our church today. And the reason that he did 
was because they didn't rally around a flag. They didn't rally around a football team. They didn't rally around a country. They rallied around a person. And that person was Jesus. Because when we all rally around Jesus, when Jesus is the most important person to every single one of us in our lives, we don't have conflict with each other. Because he's our peace. This passage calls us to to put aside our differences, put aside our differences, and just get crazy about Jesus. Because when we do that, we have peace together. Father, thank you for this passage that you've preserved in Scripture. And I'm, I'm thankful that we're able to have peace through Jesus. Thank you that Jesus is enough to have in common with someone to have peace with them to have unity with them. We don't have to have everything in common to have peace with each other. So Lord, I pray that you'd help us to just get crazy about Jesus so that our conflicts and our differences we're able to just set aside. God, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name.